Hello and welcome back to More Than A Game, a podcast dedicated to the Premier League, the A-League and more. Today on the show, a lot of movement in the A-League and a lot of spending in the Premier League at the close of the January transfer window. We look ahead to the inaugural Pride Round and National Second Tier, question mark, in the Men's A-League. Plus, uh, we'll give away our monthly MTAG FPL prize, check in with our A-League's Fantasy Mini League and much more. I'm Colby. I'm back in the host's chair today um, for the first time in what feels like, honestly, forever. Um, big hats off to Tommy C, who's not on the pod today. And congratulations on his recent wedding, um, which we got around down in Melbourne, um, and his move um, over. Am I allowed to disclose the the location, boys? What do you, what do you think? Like, we weren't allowed yeah, we to say where he was some... in the sweatshop. He's a man of mystery. He's on the move. <laughs> Let's just say you might see him popping up at an A-League's ground uh, near you at some other point in the country. Um, but joining me on the pod today, um, we've got Damo. We'll start with you. Uh, new job. But more importantly, you've arranged uh, more than a game's first sponsorship. Outgoing, not incoming. Uh, but how, how's life, Damo? Good, mate. Uh, you can probably recognize I'm in a bit of a new setup here, just like yourself, Colby. Move Yay. things around at home. Uh, I'm in a different room, so... Um, enjoying my little my little setup behind me, but no, everything's going well. Thanks, mate. Uh, talking about sponsorship, yep. There's going to be a a futsal team with the more than a game logo uh, printed on the back of the on the shirt. So just under the numbers, a nice spot. Uh, no, I'm excited about it. You'll ha- you'll have to let all, all the boys know, uh, all, all the hosts, and um, you know any anyone who wants them, demo. Presumably that these are going to be available for purchase. <laughs> mate, they're they're going to be hot off the press. I'll, uh, I'll disclose details at a further date. Very exciting. Uh, Shannon, we're also welcoming you back to the pod, mate. Um, good to have you back. Sounded like uh, when we spoke just before the pod, you might have just gotten up. I think you might be on Northern Hemisphere interview time. Uh, how's it going? Yeah, going good. Um, I'm also in a new location. I've got a different backdrop. Instead of just plain white, I've got plain white with a bit of wood. So a bit of a little Easter egg for you people. Yeah, really like, mixing it up. Yeah, my boring background is slightly less boring, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty tired. I'm preparing for an interview later tonight, but I'm always pumped up for more than a game. Busy man, Business it's to nice to have you here, Shannon. Yeah, Thank you. very much so. Um, yeah, you're you're a man of mystery, just like Tommy C. Listeners to the pod, um, you know, will, if they view this uh, on YouTube, which uh, you know it is available on YouTube, uh, they'll they'll um, be scratching their heads as to your location every week, Shannon. But and yeah, to you the said new you... hairstyle as well. Yeah, I was going to comment. Can't have let you, that have you been conditioning? <laughs> I I don't know if it could really be shown in the videos, but I used to have really long hair. Mm. When I moved, I donated all my hair and. It's grown out again. I'm starting to look like one of the Beatles. It's is that, <laughs> is that like one of those things, Shannon, like when you leave a house share, you know, like you leave them your, your old pots and pans. Uh, you've just like left them your hair? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, I think people make wigs or something out of it for people. No, that's awesome. Stuff. Yeah, that, that's so, a really cool thing to do. Not surprised to hear that. <laughs> no, very good, mate. Yeah, without uh, yeah, jokes aside, that is a... A lovely thing to do. Um, and can I say, um, you know, for if the listeners to the pod are interested, you're, you're interviewing, you've got an interview lined up with Huddersfield Town's young Aussie goalkeeper, Nicholas Bilakovic. Did I say that right? I'm going to have to ask him because I watched a couple of matches in preparation. It's been pronounced Bilokovic and Bilokapic. So I'm just going to ask the guy. But yeah, mm. very excited to interview him. A couple of Huddersfield Town boys I got on the radar soon. So. Awesome news for me personally, anyway. 
And where, where can people check that out if they want to go and have a listen to your interview? She's giving me all the attention on this pod. Give your plug, um, mate. Well, I have a YouTube channel that I left dormant for about six months. I started uploading again. So just Sha Nen on YouTube. If you want to see some random assortment of players get chatted to by me for whatever reason, just go check it out. Selling yourself short, mate. They've all they've all got interesting stories, and um, yeah, mate, you, you're building up quite the portfolio of interviews. So it's um, it's really really cool to see. Um, boys, why don't we get into our moments of the week and own goals? Um, Damo, we'll start with you, mate. What what have you liked? Um, I'll say this week, uh, just for recency. But if it's anything since the last pod, you can you can shoehorn it in. Yeah, look, it, it's probably. Well, it's definitely going to be a bit of recency bias, my uh, my moment this time around. Uh, it was the Sydney Derby last night. Obviously, Colby, you and I were at the last Sydney Derby, uh, which was uh, the, the first game at the, the new stadium in Sydney. This one back in, in Western Sydney in Parramatta, uh, the opposite result as, as to last time, two 1-0 wins away from home. But it was just great to see the the A-League and the atmosphere electric again. You know, we, we watch a lot of games and we watch a lot of football in the A-League where seems to be not many people in the crowds and, you know, all the issues that the fans have had this season. Um, it's just always great to watch a game like the Sydney Derby where it just feels like it's an electric atmosphere and, and the game's tempo often matches it. And last night was a great spectacle to watch and, um, yeah, and a great goal that separated the two teams. So, yeah, that that's definitely my moment um, of 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 the week or of, of since the last pod. But yeah, like I said, bit of recency bias there since I sat on the couch and watched that last night. Until, yeah, until next pod, that's uh, that's your moment, Damo. But yeah, what, what a moment. I think there was like 24, 25,000 people there. Um, yeah, it felt like a, a really great crowd seeing it come across on TV. Um, I know, you know, certainly when we were at the the reverse fixture, um, Sydney FC's home game, it was, uh, yeah, it was, bloody good vibe so yeah it's it's really good i think that probably has to be the marquee fixture in, in the a-league calendar now a-league men's calendar um you know since um all this stuff with the melbourne victories um gone down and sort of um put a bit of a, a hamstring on there um on their on their season not to uh, talk in too much more detail around that but yeah it's um yeah, great to see uh shannon moment of the week mate Look, I'm going to have to say the A-League's all access. I know like, it's not just a thing that happens this week, but I'm going to group together Craig Goodman and Jason Cummings into one. I know A-League's all access started off really entertaining and really good, had a bit of a break partially due to that Melbourne derby, but I feel like since they've come back from that break, the episodes have just gone up to another level quality-wise. The Cummings one was really entertaining, the Goodwin one was well put together. It pretty much did his whole career from start to finish. I'm really looking forward to that, the Villa one. And just good to see some good quality content coming from the A-League. It's just this this sort of thing. I know they were trying to recapture what Drives to Survive did for Formula One. I think if they keep up this quality, this is going to be its own thing, even for people who watch Rugby League or AFL, that they're going to enjoy. Yeah, I think, I think it's been amazing. Uh, I think the only... The only question on the longevity of this is how many big players can they tell stories about until, you know, we're starting to do the, the Jack Clisby all access. Um, I'd still watch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so would <laughs> I, but uh, 
Yeah, like that, that's my only question about the longevity of this show. And maybe it's a season-long thing. Maybe they try and bring it back. Or maybe that exclusively it turns into sort of a, a marquee signing, you know, special show that's every, every once in a while. But, yeah, I've, I completely agree, Shannon. It's been incredible to watch the last few weeks. And uh, I think James Troisi has one coming up next weekend as oh, well. Oh, fuck me. No, thanks. So, I mean, but he's got some good stories to tell, including scoring the winning goal in an Asian Cup final. So, um, yeah, th- there's going to be some good stories in that one too, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly right, Damo. I think it's I think it's the, the, the storytelling that I think they've just got so right as well. Like, even, even you know, ones that I think are not going to look that interesting. Like, oh, I thought watching the, the Paddy Kiznorbo one, I'm like, oh... You know, gruff guy. I know he's played in some European clubs, and you know he's he's had a he's had a good career as a player, and he's he's you know um, managed the women's team very well and won the won the league with um, Melbourne City. But I just thought, oh, I'm still not really interested in this bloke. But then watching it and seeing what kind of a manager he is, and getting that you know that access, uh, I guess uh, for want of a better word, behind the scenes, and um, yeah, the way they just the way they just build the narrative and thread it through the week's action and stuff like that. I think they've definitely nailed that format. And and you know, even if I'm not interested in theory in whichever name they're bringing out, I'm still probably going to check it out just because they've already got such a great track record. Uh, my moment of the week this week. Um, oh, look, I've got to give it to to two Aussies. Uh, one is Aaron Moy, uh, my boy, who's just in an absolute purple patch with Celtic at the moment. Finally, getting the respect he deserves from, um, you know, from Celtic fans over there, uh, from the media, everywhere else who weren't too sure about him at first. Thought he was just this slow old Australian midfielder. Who, I mean, he is, but like, I mean, the man's just magic. Um, you know, Mia Khalifa was right to have her, have him in a top three and. Um, you know, he scored, like, he scored six goals since Christmas. He's won multiple Man of the Match awards. He's won over the fans. Um, another assist overnight in the Scottish Cup. Um, and he still looks shy every time he goes to do like a post-match presser for winning Man of the Match as well, which I don't know. You just, you've got to love it. It's very endearing behavior, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, big Harry Sutar uh, signing for Leicester. Couldn't, couldn't leave him out of my moments of the week as well. Um, he's already made his debut and um, had Harry Kane in his back pocket last night. So in other things you love to see, but um, Shannon, what haven't you loved this week? Oh, look, I'm going to go Sydney Derby. Uh, Yeni and Bakoto. Look, the send-off, bit bullshit, bit contentious, but the way he handled himself after that, first of all, he was going up to the on-field ref. And then when he was off the field, he was going up towards the VAR ref. Um, Snyderlin had to come and stop him and put him in his place. Stuff like that just isn't good to see for me personally. Like I get, I get the emotion, I get the occasion, I get feeling hard done by, which frankly he should feel a little bit hard done by. But to to go and do that, that's just a bit silly. And I would be very surprised if he doesn't cop like a three-match ban or something for that behavior alone. So... Not to put a downer on last night, but that that was something that sort of left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, and and I think um, just from his reaction alone, it almost sort of, in my mind, verified that, oh, actually, he did mean to strike out and hit this guy. Um, you know, maybe you could see it as an accident, but the way he reacted to the red card, it's almost like, well, you've got this in you to have that sort of, 
that sort of action and that decision-making about you. So when the red card was given and the way he reacted, just like you, Shannon, I was watching the replays going, oh, did he? Did he just push him and his arm accidentally came up? But after I saw his reaction and the way he carried on that you just spoke about, yeah, I my mind went to, yeah, he definitely did that on purpose and that's a deserved red card. Yeah, it's not a good look. We want to see players um, wearing their heart on their sleeve um, and, and, yeah, showing the passion, but... Yeah, they, they can really go about it in the right way and the wrong way, and that was that was definitely the wrong way. And it was really unprofessional and just not a good way to sort of model behaviour of a footballer to kids and whoever else might be there watching it. So great own goal. Uh, Damo, what about you, mate? Yeah, look, we'll, we'll, we'll probably talk about this uh, when we go through the Premier League and what's been happening in the Premier League since the last pod, but it had to be my own goal or slash moment of the week. We have very hybrid model here of own goal and moment of the week, but it's Manchester City and the investigation that's going on into their, their finances and, and the brown paper bag system they've been running over the last four years. Um, you know, it's, in my opinion, is you let dodgy owners into the league, you, you get dodgy happenings going on. So um, it's not uh, not a surprise that this has happened, but it, it's big news in the football world and everything that's fallen out in the last sort of week or so since the news broke. And um, in a way, I sort of feel a little bit sorry for Pep Guardiola having to be sort of the front man that has to face all these questions that, football executives should be facing you know he's there to coach a football team and, and to, to put a team together and put 11 players on a field um he shouldn't have to be answering questions but one thing i did particularly like about a response he did during the week was uh he quoted julius caesar in response to um to one of the questions about you know what was going on so i thought i thought that was quite funny and and, and in cla- classic pep guardiola fashion he's trying to be mr insightful and um trying to be a um a philosopher. So, uh, but yeah, my I'm sure we'll talk about it when we talk about Manchester City in a bit. But yeah, that that's got to be my own goal. Mister Plausible Deniability, <laughs> fraud, fraud management, fraud on the touchlines. All right, um, my my own goal, uh, boys. It's um, it's got a similar European dodgy flavor, but it's this uh, newest iteration of the uh, potential new European Super League. Here we go again. Am I reading this? 60 to 80 teams over multiple divisions um, with a minimum of 14 games per club. This sounds insane. I think I'm like, I must be reading that wrong, but I've, I've double checked this. Um, no permanent members or closed shop, but I don't know. Like it just really smells to me like a, a nation's league light or a, you know, a, a super league in sheep's clothing. It just, I just don't like it. I don't like it yeah. at all. I don't know whether I'm, I'm automatically primed to be, you know, to be outraged when I see European Super League stuff. Like maybe they've got it right. Maybe they've got the formula right and it's going to be fantastic. But it, I just think like these clubs are already playing so much football and these players are already playing so much football for one thing um, and to go into this new thing. But then that's not even to say, you know, the usual questions that we have about what's going to, where's all the money going to go, um, you know, who, who's going to benefit. And, and let me tell you, it's going to be like, Real Madrid, Juventus, and and those other clubs. Notwithstanding, they're not going to be like permanent members. It's you know it's set up by those guys, and and you can bet your bottom dollar that um, there's some sort of backroom way that they're going to hold the majority of the benefit of this. Yeah, and look, I think when when you called it the Nations League light, look, they haven't 
detailed any sort of breakdown of what exactly this 60 to 80 teams over multiple tiers is going to look like, but it feels very much like a promotion and relegation sort of vibe to it that, yes, we don't have any permanent members, but, you know, Juventus might finish bottom of the top tier of 12 clubs and then they'll go down to the second tier and come up the next year because they'll beat all the second clubs. So, you know, you, you, you don't have permanent members because there is the ability for them to be relegated, but they're just one team, two teams gets relegated a year. It's essentially you got permanent clubs with permanent income at the elite level. Yeah, and we've got a perfectly good Champions League that um, gets tinkered with every season and, and changed around, but I don't know. I mean, it might we might be here in a couple of years' time going, how great is this, and like talking about it on the pod, but I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, let's talk a bit of A-League, boys. Um, the, the transfer window, January transfer window has shut uh, and there's been a lot of movement. Um, I think this is pretty usual for the A-League, but my God, when I was like writing these names down, I haven't written them all. I've got them in our, in our notes, boys, but um, we'll, we'll go through them. What, what I might do is I'll just, I'll read through like the, the sort of ins and outs for each of the team and just sort of, we'll get to the end of it and I'll ask you sort of what, what did you love, what did you hate or what did you find interesting and you can just like call out anything. So we'll start with the VUC for no particular reason other than I wrote them first. Um, in, big in, um, Damien De Silva from Lyon, uh, Tommy's boy, Socceroos Bolter, question mark, Bruce Kamau from, uh, come over back from Crete, uh, Connor Chapman from the Raw and Fernando Romero uh, from a club in Paraguay who have never heard of. Uh, outs. Daggers gone to Viking, Jay Barnett to Adelaide, Noah Smith to the Raw, uh, and Matt Spiranovich retired. And I'm also including Nanny uh, injured here because that's, a, I mean, he's he's out. So um, what did you think, Sha? Yeah, look, um, obviously D'Agostino is a massive loss, but Victory have a lot of quality up front. They've got Fornaroli, Uric, Economides. The biggest one that I'm curious to see if it works because for me this transfer window has been a lot of like, no signing that looks really amazing on paper, but a lot that look like they could be amazing if they work. And that's De Silva. I've got a mate who's a real big Leon fan. I sort of asked him, what's this guy like? And he said he was pretty good. If he can kick off in Melbourne victory, he can be really good, but he's not consistent. So, you know, I'm keen to see that. I think Noah Smith, you know, I think he's joined the Raw now. It's his, what is it, his fourth club in three years or something. I rate him as a talent. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem like many A-League managers rate him as a talent or something goes on because he plays a couple of games here and there. He looks decent and then all of a sudden he's off to a different club or not playing. So I just want to see this guy get some game time and whether or not he'll get it at Raw begs to, you know, be answered. Yeah, Yeah, I think he's still just 22. Yeah, I think along that exact same line about Noah Smith is Jay Barnett. He's just left victory. Mm. Um, he was at the Raw, came through the Raw Academy. I'm pretty sure he was the captain of the Raw youth team that were very successful. Couldn't really get a game at the Raw when they were doing well and he went to victory when they were doing well and couldn't really get a game. Um, so, again, it seems like I, you know, the games I've watched him play, I think he's I think he's a great talent. He can play as a fullback. He can play through midfield. Um, he's a little bit older than Noah Smith, but he just really seems like he can't crack regular first team football in the A-League, which is disappointing. And obviously that's what he's looking for. And he's, he's gone elsewhere. I think he's gone to uh, Western United or Adelaide. Has Adelaide, Adelaide. maybe? Yeah. Mm. So maybe he gets the game time at Adelaide, um, you know, but 
Carl Viet would rather promote some, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-old kid from South Australia than play a 26-year-old kid that came through Queensland. And and that's very, very understandable that, that that's the model at Adelaide United. But for Jay Barnett's sake, I really hope he gets some regular football because I, I think he can play regularly in the A-League and it's disappointing that he hasn't really had that chance yet. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with those comments, boys. Um, Connor Chapman, I don't know how big of a loss or he'll be to the raw or big, big of a gain he'll be to the Vuck, but, uh, you know, wish him well. Um, One man's trash is another man's <laughs> treasure. Is that what they say? <laughs> it's, uh, that, I'm pretty sure that is the A-League's motto, Damo. Yeah, okay, um, yeah, fair enough. Melbourne City, no no ins and just Taras Gamorka has gone off to the raw. So not, not too much to say probably about their transfer window, but does that seem about right? to you boys like you're, you're winning the league by like eight points or something at the moment you things are ticking along don't don't um mess with a winning formula yeah they really had no need to do anything did they it's um smooth sailing at city at the moment mm. and on to the raw yeah so in taras Kamorka, noah smith as we mentioned from the vuck uh robbie cruz on a free uh slash from the vuck you know that was his last club um and he's been training with the raw for some time and it was the worst kept secret that he was going to be offered a contract and you know raw fans behind the scenes were talking about how cheap we were being that the club in sort of trying to get him only on a six month i think robbie cruz wanted a like a year year contract and i think the raw were only willing to give him to the end of the season which i'd say is probably the only prudent bit of business that the raw have ever done is only giving a robbie cruiser to the end of the season contract um uh, marcel Canadi. Don't know this bloke. This is the Canadian. I think is he actually Canadian too, is he, or is this, am I just reading his last name like Canada um, <laughs> from Croatia, uh, from a club in Croatia? Uh, Stefan Skepovic uh, from the Cypriot League, and we've got to put a lot of respect on on the Cypriot League um, for our Cypriot uh, listeners. Um, Aon Marjok from Adelaide City uh, and James uh, Nikolovsky is promoted, I think, out. We know that Charlie Austin's gone back to Swindon, Riku Danzaki to Motherwell, Connor Chapman to the Vuck, and Anton Milaric um, has gone to the NPL. Um, what do you think, uh, Damo? What have you loved? What have you hate? What's interesting? Yeah, look, I, I think Brisbane are trying to find something that works up front, and they've brought a lot of people in that's tr- they're trying to work. And, and I think, Colby, you and I mentioned this the other night, watching the Raw play that, uh, Armiento and Milioznic have got to be the most wasteful front line in the A-League. They seem to be in the right positions. They get good touches on the ball, but they get in and around the 18-yard box and the decision-making is just horrible. Um, I think they're looking for someone that can just sort of be in there, poach goals. That's what the idea of Charlie Austin was. And hopefully this big Serbian guy, Skepovic, um, Ayam Majok has done that at um at MPL level obviously had a was it a season at Western United as well or maybe two seasons there um I, I'd love to see him start up front as a nine I think he's got the ability to, to play back to goal and sort of bring everyone into it and look Robbie Cruz isn't the answer to scoring goals but Robbie Cruz could be the answer to giving Armiento Mila Uznic Majok a little bit more space and a little bit more time on the ball we've seen throughout Robbie Cruz's career is very much maligned but he is an incredible work rate off the ball and things that he does to bring defenders into positions that allows space for his, for his teammates to do their thing is really probably his biggest strength. So if Robbie Cruz can bring that to Brisbane Roar, I think it might open things up in the, in the front line for them. Um, 
clearly that's the motive is they need to score goals and they've tried to make signings that are going to help them score goals. And um, we'll see how it works out. But, you know, Warren Moon seems to build his team around NPL players at the moment. What do you reckon, Shah? Yeah, when I look at this bunch of players for Brisbane Raw, it kind of seems like they're taking a gamble because every single player that's signed could turn out to be a really, really top-tier signing if Warren Moon can get them right. You know, if Robbie... Big Cruz if. Start you say taking a gamble, I say taking a piss. If, if Robbie <laughs> Cruz plays well, that's a top-tier signing if he can get the best out of Robbie Cruz. But unfortunately, since Cruz has come back to the A-League in his second stint, we've only seen glimpses of him playing his best football. Taras Gamulka, he played... You know, he was starting for Adelaide United. He made a silly move to Melbourne City, barely played, but he was a highly rated prospect. If Warren Moon can get, you know, some of that talent out of him, get him playing consistently, it's a good signing. Stefan Skepkovic, he's had about 150 clubs, but he's played good level. So if he can get him scoring goals, you know, you know what I mean? All these players, Noah Smith included, could turn out to be really good signings, but whether or not he can get all these players to fulfill their potential with Warren Moon, I don't have much faith. Mm. But even if he gets one or two, I think it's been a good window. Charlie Austin looked like a really good signing on paper. I feel like he would have come good. But for me personally, I feel like he was one of the biggest disappointments of the league. With his whole media presence, he didn't take Australia seriously. He didn't really want to be here by the sounds of it. He showed class on the pitch, but I could just tell he didn't want to be here. So I'm hoping Brisbane Raw can just, you know, pull another couple of good signings out out of nowhere, like what they did with Armiento and Aon. Yeah, well, it seems job, to... I'm saying right now is going to be the best signing out of the lot. He is an incredibly talented player. He's very hardworking. Give him a season to settle into football. And then next season, the season after, he's going to be a top, top striker in the A-League. This kid has a lot of talent. People, it, it, people complain about this, like, you know, plucking players out of the NPL model and, uh, like, you know, Raw fans are, you know, grumbling about the team being built from NPL players. But oh, I really don't mind that, and especially with players like that that are really talented and deserve an opportunity in the A-League. I'd much rather see those guys getting opportunities than these journeymen like Skepovic coming over. Like, you can see his track record. He's Like you said, he's played for, like, 100 clubs. He scores, like, one goal a season. You know, like track record suggests that that probably is going to continue. I'd much, I'd much rather see us taking a punt on on local kids from the NPL. If we're going to do that, if we're going to pick out these just bad journeymen that don't even have a place to go, and we're just digging through the trash with the greatest respect to the trash, um, yeah, I'd much rather see that that happen. And I, I mean, I like the Tarascomulka signing. Um, hopefully, that'll allow uh, Kaitruan to play back in defence, and we've got somewhat of a midfield now. But and, and speaking of track records, like some of these signings have got to come off if Warren Moon can develop them. But he's very quickly um, showing in his track record that, you know, he maybe can't do that. He can maybe develop some of these young guys like Henry Hoare and guys who are already on that trajectory from the from the NPL. But what can he do with, with players who, who maybe weren't on the right trajectory and he has to sort of nurture them and, and develop them? I don't know, you know, current um, form suggests maybe there's not too much there. That's my thoughts on Riku Danzaki because he had a really, really good season his first time with Brisbane Raw. 
But then he lost a lot of confidence. He went to Japan, didn't really play. I think he even posted on social media that he was real depressed and stuff. Come back to Brisbane Raw, massive talent, low on confidence, looking to, you know, reignite that spark. Warren Just needs Moon the right manager. The yeah, Warren Moon couldn't get the best out of him. And what was the club he went to again? Motherwell. Motherwell. Yeah, she's fine. Thanks. Hey, here he is. <laughs> yeah, um, very good. I'm hoping he can, you know, do the opposite with someone like a Robbie Cruz, who obviously has been out for six months, down on confident, but he's a real talented player. But I'm not too confident. Yeah, look, look, Warren Moon's clear. His Warren Moon and, and the Brisbane Raw clearly their their program is to pick players that are haven't been preferred or that have come from the NPL. And and Colby, you made a good point about. He's got a good track record of turning these pretty much MPL players into A-League players. Think of Joe Knowles, Jez, uh, Jed Lofthouse, Henry Hoare, these guys that never really got a chance in the A-League. And he's, he's turned them into proper A-League footballers. But it's the question of blokes like A.M. Majok, who had a couple seasons in the A-League and had to drop back and now come back up. Um, you know, Gomulka, who's been out of favour and now he's got to try and find his feet again. That, I think that's where the question around can Warren Moon motivate those guys? He can motivate a guy who's never really been there to get there, but can he motivate a guy who's been there and had to go somewhere else and now come back to that level? Um, and like you said, Colby, the track record suggests that, no, he can't do that. But uh, we'll wait and see because, like you said, Shannon, if if some of these, you know, if half of these signings pull off and the risk, the risk that he took, you know, turns out to be a good thing, Brisbane Raw could completely turn around their season. But on the other, on the flip side of that is all seven of these signings could turn out to be flops and this could be – the season could get even worse from here. Yeah. I mean, without lingering on the Raw for too long because we've still got the other clubs to cover, the last point I want to make is that the, the, the thing that stands out to me with all of these signings and with the recent sort of signing – policy i guess in the last five years plus it's just the lack of ambition there's just absolutely no ambition in any of these signings it's just like who can we get for cheap basically who can we get from the npl or who doesn't who doesn't can't go anywhere else they don't have you know nowhere else will take them let's let's give them a cheap contract and and see how we go there's just absolutely like charlie austin was probably the exception to that i thought he was a signing that showed a little bit of ambition but like you look at you know what the likes of western sydney sydney the vark like they're all bring they're bringing players in from top leagues and and other places like that or, or players with real talent and that are really going somewhere and will stay at the club and give the club a good couple of years as well so um you know, I know that's probably not possible for every A-League club to do, but, um, yeah, it's, it's disappointing as a fan. Um, the Mariners, uh, Dylan Wenzel-Halls uh, and Christian Thea Harris in from the Woo. James McGarry over from Newey, um, outs. Uh, we know about Garen Qualls, gone to Newcastle United um, and out on loan to Scotland. Uh, Kalechi John uh, over to Portugal. Michael Roos um, going the other way to the Roo and uh, Tom Aquilina over to the Jets. Um, Damo, what do you reckon? Look, I think they're, they're good signings that fit into the way Central Coast already play. Wenzel Hall suits the way they move forward. Uh, McGarry's come right in. He's starting and he's playing good football. Um, Thea Harris is, is kind of that live wire that'll come off the bench to replace Gary and Kowal. Like, he's gone for like-for-like like, like like replacements for, for, you know, the system that he's already built there. And, look, we, we've seen that... Um, Central Coast 
they work off playing a system of football and they just find the right players to fit into it regardless of where they come from. So um, it, it's a credit to, to their program and their recruitment. And I think they've found the right people to, to continue on the way they want to keep playing football. So um, I don't think they'll bring any huge improvement and they're not going to go on and win the league from these kind of signings, but they'll continue to play good football. They'll probably make finals and they'll have a good crack at uh, trying to make a grand final through the finals process because, you know, anything can happen when, when Central Coast play, particularly the last couple of years. I've liked the look of uh, Theo Harris um, in the first couple of games that he's had back at the Mariners. That's one that's actually stood out to me. Um, I forgot he was even a player in the A-Leagues at all um, when he was at the Woo because I don't really think he got a look in there at all. But um, I'm liking the look of him so far and I'm, I'm looking to see a bit more. But uh, Shannon, what have you loved or, or hated or found interesting about the Mariners transfer window? Yeah, you know how we were just saying how Warren Moon can't really, you know, get these players finding their confidence again and all this sort of thing. Nick Montgomery is a player who can absolutely do that. He got Semi Silvera, who had a shit out season, no offense, last year at Jets. He looked a shell of himself. He got him playing the football that he was playing in his first and even better, you know, looking a confident, talented player. Thea Harris, he was a talented player at Melbourne Victory, went overseas, had a tough few years, didn't get played at Western United, and look at the difference already under playing for Nick Montgomery in like three or four weeks. So, you know, Dylan Wenzel-Halls is one I'm excited to look at under, Mm. um, you know, Central Coast Mariners because he was highly rated at um, Brisbane Raw. He's not the youngest anymore, didn't really get a starting spot at, Western United, understandably, because they've got a lot of talent. But we know what the Mariners can do with these players who are looking for a second chance. So, yeah, I'm just excited to see all these players come in. You know, Montgomery seems to be able to have a way with players like that. And if a team like Brisbane Raw could even have half that success of turning these players' fortunes around, they would be a completely different side. I believe Montgomery is one of the most talented managers in the league by far. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, and, and again, after seeing the Garen Quall All Access uh, episode and also just seeing um, what he's done with yeah developing these players. So I think, yeah, Dylan Wenzelhall is excited to see um, what he can do under Nick Montgomery. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that system and that club is going to suit him well. Uh, Nui then, um, just down the F3, Philip Kankar from Livingston, uh, Manabu Saito from Suwon Blue Wings, uh, who I think made his debut just before we were recording this pod, um, and Tom Aquilina from the Mariners. Uh, Jordan Elsie goes across to Perth, uh, and James McGarry uh, the other way back to the Mariners or over to the Mariners. Uh, Shannon, what, have you, what do you like, not like? What's got your attention here? I know we're not talking about Perth, but Jordan Elsie going to Perth is one of the strangest moves at this window for me. If there's one position Perth Glory don't need reinforcements, it's as a centre-back, especially a tall, slow, aerially strong centre-back. They've got Latchman, they've got Beavers. You know, like, that just baffles me. But I'm excited to see Philip Kankar. He looked decent last year for the Wanderers. He went overseas, it didn't work out. Aside from that, you know, not really too much. I hope Aquilina gets a good run because I like him as a bloke, but there's not been too much for the Jets that really has caught my interest, to be honest. Damo? 
Yeah, not much to say about those moves. Pretty much bang on with, with um, Shannon's opinions there. Yeah, but um, I mean, I know Perth don't need a, a centre-back, but, you know, what are their stocks of emu celebrations like? That's, you know, they, they might have a need. Um, Sydney FC, uh, Joel King back, from, back on loan um, from his club in Denmark. Uh, Yazbek over to Viking with Nick Daggers. Uh, Connor O'Toole released and then uh, picked up by the Woo. Uh, and Adrian Vlastelica, uh, um, his contract wasn't renewed. I um, assume he'll go back to Sydney Nazis or whatever they are. Um, Shannon, uh, what is your uh, what do you, what do you reckon about Sydney's transfer window? I mean, Joel King really personally needed the move, didn't he? He barely played. He was in and out of the squad constantly. He's a young talent. Didn't work out for him overseas. Whether or not moving back to Sydney FC in the A League will be a good move for him as opposed to going somewhere else in Europe just straight up. Because I think it is it is only a loan, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, whether or not that works out for him, if he's going to go back to Denmark and try and crack the squad again, remains to be seen. Aside from that, you can't really have too many complaints if you're a Sydney fan. You know, you bring in Joel King, you're not going to keep Conor O'Toole. Wilkinson comes back from injury, you're not going to keep Vlastelitscher. Um, so I think Yazbek going overseas, he deserves that move. I don't know, you know, if it's going to work out for him or not, but he's a talented player, so I'm excited for him to get that move. Nothing really. Is that one of those moves, uh, Shannon, just on the Yazbek thing? We often talk on this podcast about um, the the timing of players going overseas. He's Mm. 20, this breakout season. Is it too early? Well, I've got a friend who's a journo in Norway, and I sort of asked him, because I don't know too much about Viking. I first asked him if it was a lot of money for Viking to spend about $2 million on D'Agostino and Yazbek. And then I asked him, are they actually going to play? Is this going to be a good move for them? And my mate reckons, you know, Viking's a pretty good club set up for him. I think D'Agostino's already started, already scored. So, yeah, I think as long as he gets game time overseas in Norway, it's going to just keep building him up but if he doesn't get game time for whatever reason of course it's a silly move but i think the time's just about right for him to be honest western sydney then boys uh big in morgan schnadlin uh on loan from nice uh and uh amor leuni uh, on loan from norway uh and nicholas uh, milanovic from the woo outs uh they got rid of Suleiman kripic uh he's back over to bosnia and herzegovina uh, Ruan Tongik on loan to an Iranian club and Remy Najarine over to the Woo. Damo, uh, thoughts? What do you like? What do you not like there? Look, Snyderlin's come off the bench a couple of times and has looked just horrible. Um, he's, it's not there. It's um, He looks nowhere near the player he was. And, you know, credit to him. He earned a move to Manchester United years ago because at the time he was he was one of the best sort of recycling ball players in the Premier League. Um, now he he just looks. He's like a recycled he's, player in the A League. Yeah, now he just looks like recyclable material. I'll take him down to yeah. the dump. Um, yeah, I don't think that's a great move, particularly when you've got Callum Newenhoff in exactly the same position, who's actually still keeping Schneiderling out of the team. And you know, with with all reason, he's Newenhoff has been unbelievable this season. And I just I saw that move and I thought this is this is a social media move. They want. 
they want people to see that we're recruiting ex Premier League stars, no. and there was absolutely no reason tactically to sign this guy. Um, I hope they're not paying him too much because I think that would be a stupid financial decision. But um, yeah, look, I, I don't think Western Sydney have made the right signings to improve their team, and I actually don't think they lost. Uh, people that would make their team any worse. So they've had a transfer window of a few outs and a few ins, but I don't really think it's going to make any difference apart from a few social media posts and maybe a, a illegal access about Schneiderling. Which is not worth nothing, to be fair. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it might be an expensive price tag to pay for that uh, exposure. Uh, Shannon, what, what did you think of uh, Western Sydney's transfer window? Yeah, Damo's spot on there. When Schneiderling signed, I thought, you know, I, I hadn't seen him in France, to be honest, but I remember him in the Premier League. Mm. I thought, yeah, he's a good player on paper, but on paper, where Western Sydney didn't need recruits was in his position, so I thought it was a bit strange from the start. Um, Nicholas Milanovic, that has the potential to be a really, really big signing. He wasn't really played as much as he should have at Western United. He showed quality. He talks about how much he loves Western Sydney, how happy he is to be playing in Western Sydney colours. So that's a really good move for him. And Remy Nazarene, he's got potential, but he hasn't had a coach who could really find the potential from him. So whether or not John Aloisi has seen him and thought, you know, I can get the best out of this this kid. I think he's like still 24. And he wanted to swap Milanovic, who's a better prospect in my opinion. You know, it's it's a bit strange from their part, Western United, but for Western Sydney, he's he, they've got the potential for a very very special player. He's not not on this list, but I just he came to mind because he made his debut um, for the club in the derby last night. But Tom Beadley, I thought he had a really good game yeah. in the derby last night, and I think he looks he looks a great player, defensive uh, defensive midfielder. So um, I, I don't know exactly where he played last night, but he was involved in a lot of attacking moves. Um, but I'd, he's one that I'd like to see more of there as well, and, and hopefully one that um, you know the likes of Schneiderling doesn't sort of come in and and push out of, of getting an opportunity because I thought he looked good, notwithstanding that I think he's 27. But yeah, w- would want to see a bit more of players like that. Uh, the Knicks now, boys, are in Nico Boxall uh, from Auckland City and out Ben Wayne uh, to Plymouth Argyle. Um, Ben Wayne, bit of an out. Uh, Nico Boxel, I think, who was related to the uh, to the other Boxel, um, the Michael Boxel. They're definitely Boxel, related. They're definitely bro- related. Younger brother because, or something uh, like that. Michael Boxel went to college in the states, and he now plays over in the US. And I I recognised the name as well, and thought Wellington mm. Boxel. Did a quick Google search, and Nico Boxel, who has been at college in the US as well, so I think he also may have been a part of one of the, sort of the. USL, one of the lower tiers of, of American soccer. Um, so he must be related. Uh, it's you know, one of those take, signings that just feels taking a right. similar path. Yeah. And he could, he could turn out to be a, a really good signing just the same way as Michael Boxer was, um, who had a great couple of seasons in the A-League before moving on to um, over to the US where I think his wife is from. So they, they live in Texas now. It's always got to be a Boxer at the Knicks. Um, <laughs> we're going to have to get, you know, we'll get their get a check on their kids and um, get them into the youth set up. Yeah, the Boxall uh, dynasty. Yeah. Let's build the it. Boxall, the Boxall dynasty. Uh, Shannon, what do, you, what do you think of those moves? Based on the reaction on social media when Nico Boxall signed from people who watched the New Zealand national team a lot more than me, 
I don't think he's a good signing because they don't seem to like him. Um, a lot of people in the Wellington Phoenix group seem to think he's an absolutely rubbish player. I don't know anything about him, to be honest, aside from the fact that he was at Auckland City briefly. So I'm excited to see him play just to see if he's really as bad as what they're saying on social media because surely someone can't be that bad, right? It's just not a very inspiring signing when you've lost someone like Ben Wayne. I think that's the thing. You lose a Ben Wayne and you sign a bloke from Auckland City who's had, you know, a college career in America and he's played in a couple of lower divisions in America and then a couple of clubs, you know, in lower tiers in Europe. It's just not a very inspiring signing. I think he's already 30 years old as well. So he could even be the older brother of Michael Boxall. Um, uh, Surely so, not. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Yes, I, I I can see why Wellington fans are looking at that and going, no, this isn't the guy we need. Um, especially when you've lost someone as influential and as talented as Ben Wayne, who who's doing good things with Plymouth Argyle. Um, they're likely going to be promoted to the championship. He's playing every week, so um, shout out to him as well. He's having a great mm. season since great, oh you know, start of the start of the year. He left very early on in the window, and and he's doing really well so far. I really like the Wellington Phoenix, um, their little signing teaser for Nico Boxel. They just had a cardboard box and a scrap of paper that said new signing in Sharpie written there. And, very clever. You know, it's low low effort, but very clever. Like, I'd much prefer that than some of these, like, over the top, you know. Like the Bruce Kamau announcement where they tried to pretend like Kamau was Kapow from Batman. Yeah, everyone was like, oh, like, well, what are these clues? And it turns out that the last name sort of rhymes with Kapow. Like, <laughs> right, I mean, but yeah, it is what it is. Talking about inspiring <laughs> signings, we'll get to that in a minute, I'm sure, Colby. Oh, well, we're about to. Perth Glory, uh, Adam Taggart, big in, uh, back from Japan. Uh, and Jordan Elsie, huge signing. Um, out, uh, Ben Azubal uh, is gone to Thailand's um, presumably to play football. Uh, Shannon, what do you reckon? Yeah, um, I know we're probably going to play this on roll the tapes or whatever, but I said <laughs> in the preseason show or whatever we did that I thought Ben Azubel was going to turn out to be okay. He did show glimpses, to be fair, in some of his matches. I think he hit the post a couple of times, but he's gone after like three or four months. So that's a big fat L on my part. Um so, yeah, that is it is what it is. Adam Taggart, I'm very excited to see play. I thought, I could be wrong, but I thought that he and Tony Sage had a massive bust up when he left Perth Glory last time. I remember Tony Sage going on about how they looked after him when he was injured and then he left for the roar and all this stuff. So, I wonder how they mended that relationship. I'm, I hope they do an illegal access on Adam Taggart mm. and Tony Sage because I really want to see... You know, the conversations when they first get in the room after that fire exchange and sort of go like, hey, man, like, sorry about that. So some, like, pretty good signing to bring back Adam Taggart. He's a Perth boy. Jordan Elsie, I already mentioned. And, you know, they haven't lost too much, to be honest. It it, it almost feels like Taggart is an all-access signing, much like Schneiderling. Um, he's, got a, he's got a story to tell. He missed out on the World Cup after having a, a pretty good season over in Asia. Um, yeah, so he, he's going to have a good story to tell and that's probably going to be pretty interesting about that whole relationship with um, Tony Sage. I, I My mind went there as well when he went back to Perth. I thought 
well, that's uh, that's a surprise. I expected him to go somewhere like Adelaide or maybe back to Newcastle where, where he had that really good season years ago. Um, it was a surprise to see him go back to Perth. He clearly uh, wanted to be sort of home and towards the back end of his career and, you know, men- mended that relationship. Speaking of Adelaide boys, we better just mention them as well. Jay Barnett in from the Vuck, Luke Doozle from the Woo. Um, and one day I'm going to say is an out, uh, considering his leg got snapped in half like two weeks ago. Um, Shannon, thoughts on a relatively quiet transfer window for Adelaide? I'm looking forward to seeing Luke Doozle play. Um, about two seasons ago or three seasons ago, Western United auctioned off a couple of jerseys for Food Bank. I snapped up a couple of them, and one of them I decided to get was Luke Duzel because he was starting to break through to the squad. He was playing really well. He was a young Socceroos star and all this, and he looked like he was going to be one of those players that it's like, you know, thank God I got his jersey before he's massive, and he's going to be a real talent, and this is going to be real special. And then he's just never played, so I think I cursed him with that. So I'm keen <laughs> to see him actually play again to see he if he can fulfill that sort of potential and make this shirt I've got in my closet be a bit more special. <laughs> Do it for Shannon's shirt. Yeah, I mean, Damo, these, these are two guys, like you were saying, that we we, we haven't seen too much of these two. Um, do either of them, I mean, you mentioned about Jay Barnett before, so uh, I guess you're hoping that he gets a bit of a look in at Adelaide? Yeah, look, I think he's been brought in as a bit of a right-back cover Um with uh, Juan Day out, obviously with his leg, and he's he's played it right back as, as coverage. And Barnett can play either fullback or through midfield. They've got we've got a lot of sort of defensive midfielders and eights at Adelaide, but he's he's an option and he's depth. And I think that's his, his versatility is why they've brought him in. Um, but all in all, much like a couple of the other clubs, they've lost a few, gained a few that really won't make them a better or worse team, in my opinion. The Wu have had a, an interesting transfer window. I feel like we've mentioned them because of all their players sort of moving around. Um, but Rami Najarine's gone, come in from uh, Western Sydney. Uh, Michael Roos uh, has come in from the Mariners. And Connor O'Toole has been picked up after he was released from Sydney. Uh, Dylan Wenzel Hall's going the other way to the Mariners. Uh, Nikola Milanovic to Western Sydney. Christian Diaharis to the Mariners. And Luke Duzel that we just mentioned uh, was released and then uh, got picked up by Adelaide. Damo, what do you think of the the Woos window? Is anything standing out to you there? Look, and I think I think what this says to me is that Woo have sort of been stockpiling young talent that haven't really had an opportunity to get game time in the A League, and th- these are young kids or you know people in their early to mid twenties who are desperate to play regular football, and they're going elsewhere to get that because they haven't really got that chance at Woo and. Um, it often happens with expansion teams. They bring in, you know, a, a ready set team and they stay with it. And then they sort of stockpile young potential to take over from, from their, from their new team. And these guys never really got the opportunity to, to take over the team. So, um, I, I don't think there'll be a worse team for having let those guys go, but I think those guys will all be far better off being at different clubs. Um, so it's pr- probably a bit of a win-win for all in terms of the losses from Western United, in terms of who's come in, Conor O'Toole, he'll play um, here and there. Remy Nazarene, like I think you said before, Shannon, he can either be absolutely brilliant and set the league alight, or he might get 45 minutes in the next three months. 
you don't really know. Uh, depends how he is and, and sort of sort of how he's feeling is how he plays football. Shannon, who's standing out to you there? Look, yeah, we've talked about Western United. I feel like I agree. I feel like we talked about him enough. But out of that list, probably only really Michael Ruse that I haven't mentioned. He looked all right at Central Coast Mariners. He looked okay in his glimpses at MacArthur Bulls. I like that he, you know, kind of said that he didn't want to stay out at Central Coast Mariners and play second fiddle when they brought in all these new signings. He wanted to fight for a first-team spot. I like that hunger, and I really hope it works out for him. The Mac Bulls have had a, a quiet transfer window, um, and I think in large part because Dwight York got mutualed halfway through the window. So, um, I mean, it's it's no one in, and um, Anthony Carter was released. Shannon, is this a, is this a statement by the club that uh, basically they're in a holding pattern for the rest of the season and they're just going to try and make it through to the finish line? I mean, I'm not surprised that no one's come in because usually pub teams don't have much money to spend on transfers <laughs> and stuff, to be honest. Surely someone's got a mate you can ring up. Yeah, they might get like a um, fill-in for the weekend, some 40-year-old bloke <laughs> with a beer gut to play up front. But... A couple of ring-ins. <laughs> Do a good touch, though. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, like I think they've got enough quality around the squad that Mille Sturjowski, I think he's the coach, is it Mille? Yeah. Whoever the coach is, you know, can field a decent team out of them. So they don't really need to worry about bringing in anyone, to be honest. Damo, any, any further thoughts on that? No, I completely agree there. It's not, not a big loss. Um, uh, Anthony Carter, you know, I don't think I've seen him feature at all this season. So um, not in the games I've watched anyway. Um, yeah, I agree with Shannon. That they've got a good squad there on paper and that squad should be doing far better than it is. And it's clearly why Dwight York is, is not around anymore. And Stojovsky's got a big job on his hands to turn that around. And I just thought I'd also mention the NPL because um, a few of these A-League signings are, are back in the NPL. I saw you tweeting the other day, Shannon, about King Kenny at you back at Heidelberg. We know what he's done there um, with your boy, Damo, Kane Shepherd. Uh, so that could be pretty potent. And um, and the Petratai. Both the Petratai are there. Well. So Dimmy's clearly um, doing his thing, but he's, both of his little brothers are both at Heidelberg and the Franjic cousins. Um They've got a what good a team roster. there, Hotterberg. They're putting together a, a pretty good team um, in terms of MPL level. Adrian Zara is the captain there. Ruben Way, who's an MPL legend, has, uh, has been, you know, they've, they've got a very good team. And, and I, I think they've just signed a new goalkeeper as well who's who's come back from a stint at Preston last year and getting them promoted back to MPL too. So Hotterberg will be one to watch in the Vic MPL this year and definitely will have a good run in the FFA Cup or the Oz Cup, whatever we call it now. We don't call you MPL correspondent for nothing, Damo. <laughs> hey, I'm going to the Preston uh, Paco game this Friday, the first game of the NPL uh, 2 season. Preston back in the MPL and it's a local derby. So I'll, um, I'll be reporting from there. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be a pretty big crowd there. Um, the Macedonian community in the northern suburbs are very excited to see Preston back um, in the NPL and, and hopefully get promoted this season as well. They're, they're putting together a pretty good team. So, yeah, the NPL is going to be pretty exciting in Victoria this year. Absolutely. Um, to the uh, – well, Oakley, I guess, as well. We can, uh, they picked up Anton Milaric from the Raw. Uh, decent signing. Um, Adelaide Olympic, I noticed, uh, got Michael Jakobsen. 
Um, and I think yeah. I think it was in this window. Um, Jade North went to Brisbane Strikers as well, or maybe that was previously. But he's in he's in the squad anyway. I don't know whether that was a recent move or not, but I just noticed that the other day. Brisbane Strikers um, also playing in the second tier of football in Queensland this year. Mm. Uh, relegated from the NPL last year, they're yeah. in the I think it's called the Football Queensland Premier League, which is essentially the old Brisbane Premier League. Um, so you know, Jade North in the second tier of Queensland is at, at you know forty two years old. It's going to be something to see. Big get, big get. Um, why don't we move on, boys? Are there a few of the um, Australian football-related topics we mentioned at the top? Uh, Pride rounds. So the uh, the APL is going to host the first ever Pride rounds or hold the first ever Pride round later this month, um, which will coincide with Mardi Gras and the 2023 Sydney World Pride. Um, and so that expansion will allow a full round um, following Adelaide hosting at that Pride game last season. Um, and this has been in the works for you know, about 18 months. I was reading an article in the ABC about this this afternoon, just interested in, in getting to know a bit more about it. Um, there's going to be a big education piece for players and staff to do with Pride Round as well, which I was interested to see, um, to do with bystander and intervention training. So speaking up when you hear someone using homophobic language, um, which sounds like very a very good in- initiative to be part of this uh, round. Um, and the APL developed the new stadium safety and inclusion program that was originally trialled at Melbourne Olympic Parks. Um, and the program also includes training for security staff on identifying when homophobic abuse, both physical and verbal, is committed by spectators. Um, I'm surprised that this wasn't already happening, but fantastic by the sounds of it that it's, it's going to be included as part of this round. Um, and, you know, whereby fan, they're going to have a system as well where fans can report incidents to an anonymous hotline. Surprised that wasn't there already, but glad it's coming in. Um, and it, it, it sort of contrasts to other Pride initiatives that we've seen sort of go not so well um, in recent times, like the, the Manly Seagulls and the NRL and, and the Cairns Taipans and the NBL. And I think um, this article in the ABC was saying that this is because these were part of a top-down approach where the decisions were made by management level and and sort of trickled down and everyone had to comply with them. But this, what the APL is doing here is a, is a bottom-up approach, consulting with the players sort of over several education sessions, they call them, um, in 2021. So, you know, it's, there's been a big period of consultation to sort of um, get everyone across this before they basically announce it. Um, and there, there'll be a, a players will be able to opt out for personal, religious, or cultural reasons if they choose. But what, what do we sort of think about that? Is that is that the right approach, Shannon? Are they? What do you think about this? Yeah, my thoughts when this first got like sent to my inbox was, I wonder what will happen if we get a player who just refuses to participate. I remember PSG did one about three or four months ago, and Adrissa Garner Gay. Maybe it was a, a bit longer than that, but he... Ironically he used... decided to not to... Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, he refused <laughs> and there was a big... It took big me a while. So, um, so, yeah, I, I just... My thoughts were I wonder what's going to happen if there's an incident like with the Manly mm. Sea Eagles, but I guess, you know, the APL sort of thought of that when they're saying that players can opt out and... I think stuff like this is just good because I've gone to a game, Melbourne Victory versus Adelaide United, where you know large portions of the crowd were chanting homophobic abuse at Josh Cavallo. Yeah. Nothing got happened. It got mass reported. I think it was even on the news and all that stuff. And 
was sort of swept under the rug. So it's sort of good to see the APL take a positive step forward to introduce something like this. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think this has been a long time coming. Um, you know, off the back of the plebiscite that the country had a few years ago and a new generation of people that are coming through, a new generation of football fans in particular. Uh, I think a lot of this has been influenced by the, the A-League women who have very openly mm. been, you know, um, pride accepting for a very long time since the inception of their league. So you, you can't discredit the influence that they have had now under the umbrella of the A-Leagues too. So um, it, it's a great initiative from bottom up and the more stuff we can do like this. And I think Colby, you mentioned before, a lot of the other stuff has sort of been top down the way this has been built from, in discussions with the players over the last two or so years, uh, I think that there are protocols and there are processes in place for if we do see someone that does not want to participate for an acceptable way for them to opt out without having there to be mass hysteria around why they've done it. Um, yeah. And I think that's really important is that we have to recognise that this 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 is in celebration and this is an acceptance of, of a lot of people, but a lot of people still don't accept this too. And I think the A-Leagues have done a really good job to mediate between what those two parties are, whether how big or how small either party is, hasn't mattered. It's you, you have an option to, to do this or to not do this. And I think that's been a really important thing. And I'm just glad that we now finally have this and it's a, it's a proper round and it's going to be um, a fixture round in future seasons of the A-League men's, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a long time coming. I'm glad that it's here. I mean, purely just because even if we don't have it quite right yet, it can be tinkered with, things can be adjusted. We can emphasise what works and we can fix what doesn't. But, you know, ultimately it's for, you know, people who are part of the LGBTQI community, like you, you sort of can't be what you can't see, right? And like, you know, you've got players like Josh Cavallo coming out and, and you know, this just needs to be there. So glad it, glad it is, and um, looking forward to um, looking forward to seeing it. It's going to be happening later this month. So um, very, very. Good. And I'm I'm looking forward to some of the kits. That's 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 what I'm looking forward to. Is what are the special kits these clubs are going to uh, release? We've seen Melbourne Victories, which um, was a bit underwhelming in terms of what their Pride Round kit looks like, but um, I'm sure some other clubs are going to come out with some, ironically, come out with some really good, uh, some really good kits. All right, boys. Um, Sydney Derby we mentioned before as well, um, but I wanted to I wanted to talk a little bit more about the game because uh, great game. Um, but uh, just just some of the things that we've we've seen kicking off. You mentioned uh, Yeni and Bakoto, Shannon. Um, he wasn't the only one who had, um, you know, who was sort of wearing his heart on his sleeve and had a very passionate reaction after the match. We had Borello coming straight off in the presser, being like. Sydney didn't deserve it. They got lucky. They just scored a goal and, and you know, we were all over them, et cetera, et cetera. Is that, is that too salty for you or refreshing honesty? I think in any other situation that wasn't a derby, that would be too salty. But you kind of want those sort of comments, that bit of fire and that bit of passion in the derby, to be honest. So I love it. Um, at the end of the match, Corica and Rudin as well going at each other, or more so Rudin going at Corica. Stuff like that makes the derby a lot more, you know, personal for me. So I, I don't have a problem with it on derby day. Yeah, you love to see the passion and, and that's what derbies are all about. And I think I spoke at the top of the show, that was my moment of the week, was the derby as a whole. And 
the electricity that a derby brings and, and what that brings out in people and, um, you know, the, the red card and, and what we saw after that. Shannon, you spoke about that. And, you know, that that's fueled by what is going on in and around the ground before the game, during the game. Um, people are just so passionate about this fixture. And it's, it's so good to see a game like this in our country that we get to see, you know, multiple times a year because it really just – it invigorates me as a football fan, particularly who loves local football here in Australia to see that, you know, people are this passionate about this game and this passionate about their club to the point where everything, and I mean, everything is on the line in a derby, regardless of where you are in the league. And, and Shannon, we've got a question uh, from on Twitter from listener Tito Perez uh, in a fight between Corica and Rudin, who do you think is the winner? Oh, look, easily Rudin, to be honest. He's like twice the size. Sorry about my cat. He's <laughs> twice the size and he's absolutely unhinged. There's no contest there, to be honest. Corica would, I reckon Corica would fight dirty, though. Yeah. He'd be like, he'd be the cheap shot, kick to the balls or something halfway through yeah. the fight just, just to get a shot in because he's getting pummeled. <laughs> and um, going back to before the match, um, we saw some. Very good and very interesting tifos. Um, the uh, the Freddy Krueger number from the the Wanderers uh, was was just brilliant in my opinion. And um, I'm not allowed to call it a tifo. I'll, I'll call it a banner um, because we'll get pulled up by our listeners. But uh, we had a banner that that said Sydney Boys slash HCS equals pussy mentality, not ultras mentality. Um, I'll, I'll get your thoughts on on both of these, Damo. You can you can choose which you want to respond to. Yeah, look, I, I I think the ironic thing is that um, these these groups of fans that call themselves ultras pride themselves on the fact that they they often self fund these tifos and organisation of these. The the main one, which was which was brilliant to see, the massive drop down banner of tifo mm-hmm. from from the top of the second tier all the way down to mm-hmm. the bottom, um, was funded by the Western Sydney Wanderers, not by the RBB. And the one that which was funded by the ultras talking about the ultras mentality was just very much, a, um, you know, bed sheet with paint kind of vibe. So uh, I thought that was quite ironic. Um, but look, their message was made. Um, the RBB made their point made across um, across their their tifos and their banners. And uh, look, they they had a great day out as you do at a derby, and you get to poke fun at your rivals and. Sydney FC really had nothing in in comeback, so I think that that's uh, if you if you look at that, they may have lost one nil on the day, but I'm sure RBB and and the hardcore fans of the Western Sydney Wanderers would would say they got a leg up on that one. So in the derbies, whoever has the um, whoever has the the better tifo ends up losing the match. Yeah, it seems so because in the the one we went to, Colby, that uh, Sydney FC had a great a great setup too. So. Um, yeah, look, may- maybe these clubs are spending too much time on what their fans look like and not how they're playing for 90 minutes on the field. But um, it's, yeah, like I love to see that kind of stuff in the A-League. It just shows that, you know, we, we do have, like I-, I keep harping on about it, but we do have incredibly passionate people involved in football here in, in Australia. And you really see it in games like that and, and organising stuff like that. It-, it was really incredible to see. It's probably one of the best... Tifos I've ever seen in the A-League, that that big Freddy Krueger drop down. Well, speaking of performances, um, let's just talk a little bit about the performances and, and how these teams are going because that result sees um, 
Sydney FC come to within a point of Western Sydney um, in fourth place now. So, Shannon, uh, Western Sydney, are, are they the real deal? Um, or, you know, they're, they're sliding down now. Is this just another crash and burn Mark Rudin, Mark Rudin sides uh, that uh, he's got about all the juicy can out of them? Yeah, look, it seems that way at the moment, doesn't it, to be honest? Because I thought even if they could get a point out of Sydney FC, even though personally I thought they deserved the win, but if they could get a point when things aren't going their way, I thought that would sort of stop the slide. But when you say, you know, how close they are, I didn't realise how close they were on the ladder till you mentioned it. That's a big result for Sydney FC, who at the start of the season were struggling People thought Corica was going to get sacked. Results like that probably have kept him in the job so far. And he's, you know, he's kept the job by the skin of his teeth. But to be fair, he's pulled it back very well. And, and Damo, then, are we, are we sleeping on Sydney FC? Are they, are they back? Look, I don't think they're back. But, um, you know, I think if, if Corica... Uh, he he was very much on the brink of losing his job uh, in the in the last derby and and I think we Colby you and I said um, just chatting before Melbourne Victory played Sydney FC just a couple of weeks ago it was probably about a month ago now that um, if Sydney FC lost that game that was probably the end of Corica and since that game I think Sydney have put together three wins and a draw in their last four or something like that so. Um, you know, he, like he he was very much on the verge of losing his job, and and everything was going downhill, and and now it very much looks like Sydney will be a part of the finals, and and like I said about Central Coast earlier, and and more so Sydney because of the you know the players they've got in their squad, Sydney FC can beat anyone in the A League on their day, um, and you know if they're in the finals, they're definitely going to be a shout to go all the way to a grand final. Well, another team who looks like they might unexpectedly be making their way towards being in the finals, uh, Perth Glory. I just wanted to mention them on the pod. Um, Macedonia Park has been, you know, just a revelation for for them. It was, you know, the start of the season. It was, I mean, you know, it's, it's had its moments with the the lighting and the the makeshift stands and things like that. But, you know, just the vibe there and the, the kind of football Perth are playing at home after so many and for so long being on the road um it's it's really great to see and it's it's great to see what a home ground can do for a team shannon yeah and i think it's been sort of a blessing in disguise moving somewhere like that because even if they get rubbish crowd numbers compared to the rest of the league like four thousand, that's capacity for macedonia park and a small ground filled to the brim you know right up close to the action with the home crowd behind you traveling all this distance. I don't think many teams in the league would do well there. So it's kind of been a fortress for Perth Glory and doesn't matter who they face. If they play them at home, I'm backing Perth Glory to, you know, play out of their skin because that ground, as you said, has made such a difference. It's been a bit of a revelation. Yeah, look, I, I think I, I think I mentioned uh, the influence of sort of Perth playing at home in front of their own fans when we did the the season preview and I, I previewed Perth and um, it was I think it was always going to be more so just the glory being back in Perth. It didn't matter where their games were that that, that was going to be huge and you know the guys get to sleep in their own bed, they get to turn up to the game and uh, stay with their families the night before the game and I think you, you can't sort of un- underrate how important that is for for people in their sort of 
mental welfare before as the as they prepare for a game. Um, but one comment I've got about Macedonia Park is if if that's the best MPL ground that WA have got to offer, man, they got some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, need some investment as part of this uh, national second tier. They need to. Um, yeah, I don't think to... we're going to see many WA teams in the uh, the national second division, unfortunately. Um, we'll, we'll it'll be very, that. very much yeah. a, a <laughs> AFL vibe where they everyone from Western Australia thinks that the Eastern states get preference. Yeah, well, we don't know how we you don't know. Um, yeah, who's going to actually show up to this in terms of um, putting their hands in their wallets? But um, we'll mention that in a moment. But just. First, I just wanted to call out um, one of the players, David Williams, your boy, Damo, uh, for Perth. Um, just the, the just the way that he seems to be the right kind of journeyman for, for the A-League. I mean, he came up through the, the QIS. Um, he was an inaugural player in the A-League. He only had two appearances for the Raw, but he's played for the North Queensland Fury, Melbourne City, the Knicks, and now back to the Glory. Um, he's capped was capped twice for the Ruse, but he's played all over... Europe, in Denmark and Hungary. He's also played in India. So, uh, you know, Shannon would have had eyes on him there. Um, you know, but this season, at 34 years old, five goals, two assists in 14 appearances. Um, yeah, well, like if you compare him, Shannon, to, to players like we were talking about, Skepovich for the Raw, uh, you know, is, is this sort of what we want more of? Well, yeah, like to be honest, coming into the season, I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but I wasn't too confident that David Williams would do very well because in his last season in India, he really struggled and he started to look like he'd lost the pace. He started to look like he lost the touch, bit of confidence. But he's completely just come back and he's been as good as he's ever been in the A-League pretty much, even at 34. So players like this who know the league, who respect the league, who will take it seriously and you know, put their heart on the sleeve, are worth a hundred times any big name player, to be honest. I'd much rather David Williams, who takes the league seriously, brings a bit of quality and just knows the league rather than someone like Charlie Austin, who's got the big name and kind of walks around like he's bigger than the league, doesn't really give too much of a shit if Brisbane Raw do well or not, to be honest. So, and look, yeah, I, really I, fun. yeah and, look, and I talked about. Perth Glory as a whole, you know, players get to stay with their families, stay in their own beds. The whole time David Williams was playing in India, his family and his kids were still living in Brisbane. Um, that that's that's a difficult thing to do. He and he was he wasn't there for a short period. He was probably there for four or five years. Um, he's come back to the A League, and his whole family have relocated to WA and, and live just outside of Perth. So. Um, like I said before, you really can't underestimate the influence it has to for someone to be in and around their family every day, and sort of how that can can affect someone's games and and how it can affect their motivation to play football. And so Perth is sitting seventh on the league table now with some pretty good performances, particularly at home. Um, it's safe to say they've been a, a surprise packet, particularly. Um, I don't think any of us said that Zakovic would still be manager at the club after Christmas, but they've they've um, really done well and, and they seem to be building a bit of momentum. Um, Josh Watson on Twitter asks, who surprised you lads the most this season? And he's given Fulham, Brentford or Perth glory. Shannon. I'm probably going to say Fulham because I, I believe, look, I could be wrong, 
but I believe I was always on board the Perth are going to make the finals train. I think I said well, that. I, I, can fa- I can fact check that because I've got your ladder prediction in an Excel spreadsheet somewhere. <laughs> I think I think on the actual pod I mentioned as well, like Ryan Williams and all these Perth signings were going to be good. I could be wrong. I could be talking out of my ass, but I believe <laughs> I was always on the Perth train. So, yeah. Yeah. Watch me make a Good. fool out of myself and be wrong and have them tip 12 or something. Boys, we've got to mention quickly the national second tier as well, the announcement around that. So Football Australia opened up expressions of interest for the national second tier of the men's competition. So it's currently unnamed um, and we've seen a few suggestions on Twitter and other social media around that. It's uh, planning to be starting in March 2024, which seems to me to be very soon. Um, given what some of these clubs are going to have to do to get ready. Um, It's aimed at football clubs with a deep connection and demonstrated history to Australian football or in Australian football. It's going to be a home and away structure comprising 10 to 16 teams featuring 24 to 36 games plus finals. And eventually there'll be an opportunity for promotion and relegation to be considered once the competition is mature whatever that means and however long that will take. So there's, I can can see there's a big wiggle room for football Australia, but clubs, there's a lot of conditions that these clubs have got to have. They've got to have professional contracts for all players with salaries paid 52 weeks of the year. They've got to have off-field operations run by employed staff for 12 months of the year, investment in and operation of a full talent development pathway within their club structure. So these clubs have got to make, they've got to be serious um, you know, there's, there's clear goalposts for them and they're going to need some good skin in the game if they seriously want to be a part of this and ultimately potentially the A-League. Um, Shannon, what, what's your thoughts on the setup and the proposal so far? Yeah, to be honest, when you're saying all that, fair enough. Um, even in the A-League, our top league, sometimes I won't name teams, <clears throat> Western United, um, <laughs> we've had teams join the league who just aren't ready to join the league. And it's it's kind of set the league back, if I'm not being too harsh, a bit. Having them in the league, having them not have home grounds, having them not have the professional standards that we aim for. So the fact that they're setting it out as a boundary for this B League is brilliant, bit of smart business. I'm curious to see who's going to get picked in the B League because I've got a mate who's a player and he got offered a contract from Brisbane Strikers stating that it would be for the B-League about six months ago, even though that they've been in the second division of Queensland football for about a year or two. So whether or not that's just them being ambitious, for example, or they've got some sort of thing set up, it's a bit strange. But I'm keen to see who gets in, whether or not it's going to be like the typical ones people think, Wollongong, South Melbourne, Adelaide City, or whether it's going to be a couple of random ones, a couple of franchises, I have no idea. And, and yeah, Damo. Look, I, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll cut to me real quick about MPL. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, um, yeah look, I, I think the just just in line with what Shannon said, the sort of the outline they put around the framework that clubs need to have is going to cut out a lot of the fat. It's going to cut out a lot of these clubs that, do well in MPL but don't actually have a very professional setup. You think of clubs like in Victoria in particular, think of Avondale, you think of um, Hume City that do well in um, in the league, but they they're not they're not suited, they're not ready to to go to another level. Um, 
They, they spend a lot of money on their first team. They pay their players a lot of money, uh, but they, they're not a professional outfit and they're not ready to be one. You're going to look at clubs that have got, you know, long-term demonstrated assets and uh, financial assets and infrastructure of junior clubs and pathways. And, and they're traditionally going to be the, the clubs that we've seen in the NSL. I think Marconi, Sydney United, Heidelberg, South Melbourne, Melbourne Knights, Brisbane Strikers, purely because they've, they've got income streams from everywhere and they've got assets. They own their own stadiums that, that can hold ten to 15,000 people. Um, the, these clubs that are doing well in state leagues and in NPLs all across the country, they're, they're not ready to be professional clubs. They're ready to win state leagues, but they're not ready to play professional football. So um, I think we'll find that the second tier will be filled with very familiar faces and very familiar names um, purely because they're the ones that have got um, financial streams that can keep them going because this is going to be a lot of money, particularly for travel and to pay a lot of players and, and they need investment. And these are the clubs that have got it. So are we going to actually see like a minimum of 10 teams put in an application that's eligible? Yeah, look, I think, I think we'll, uh, in, look, I don't know much about the New South Wales NPL um, to be perfectly honest, but you know, from Queensland and from Victoria, where I know a fair bit about both the NPL programs, uh, I think that Victoria's probably got maybe six to seven teams that, that would be ready to go. Um, Queensland, probably one to three. And in Queensland, you're looking yeah. at Queensland Lions, um, Brisbane City, Olympic. Brisbane Strikers, and maybe Olympic, you know, and these are all teams that have played on the national stage before. So, you know, they're going to be familiar names. Um, you know, v- Victoria, those those names are pretty obvious. They're the big clubs that, that exist here in Melbourne and, um, and then we might get lucky to get a regional club like Gippsland or, or some, something from Ge- the Geelong area that um, can really sort of hone in on, on, on their, their youth to, to get some income. But, yeah, look, I think on, on the majority, we're going to get a very Eastern States league from NS, previous NSL clubs. Damo, just before we go, we've got to wrap up this pod in you know the next five to ten minutes but um just we won't do a full power rankings but we've got a we've got a good question from matt mcgurr on twitter one of our listeners um who asks who for you guys is the most underrated player in your sides so he's a jets fan and he says for him it's thurgate um what what would you say uh damo who's the most underrated player you think um in in the raw setup at the moment oh it's a tough question because there's there's a lot of players that um like we we're talking about before, MPL players that have stepped up and they've sort of taken the next level. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would probably say the obvious of Armiento, but I think he's almost at a point where he's nearly overrated now after a good month of football. Um, I think Jez Lofthouse is a great player. Uh, I, I don't think the final product is is there yet. Uh, but for me, in the whole Brisbane setup, the most underrated in the team is Scott Neville. I think he's been a an incredible player in the A-League. And Tommy and I had this debate in a group chat um, just probably about a month or so ago about Scott Neville and and how how good of a player he's been. And I, I think... I rate we, Scott Neville so highly. Yeah, yeah. I think week on week, he's a 7.5 mm. to 8 out of 10. And uh, he really rarely is better, rarely is worse. And um, he's a rock at Brisbane. He's been a rock wherever he's gone. And yeah, I think he's probably the most underrated, most underappreciated player at the Raw. I think Kai Truen is a really underrated player. Like, Raw fans know um, 
but I just think he's got the potential to have a really, a really strong career. Still only 21, uh, so I think he'll go really far as well. Um, quickly, just on the Premier League, we talked about the Man City allegations before. Um, don't think there'll be any meaningful sanctions imposed there. That was that was something that I think we'll, we pretty much covered off earlier in the pod. Um, there's, you know, been a lot of money spent in the transfer window um, for, you know, and, and we're not going to, we're not certainly not going to cover off every club, but just quickly in terms of the, the title race, um, we've seen Arsenal, I think they've dropped like the last three games now. Um, are, are they going to bottle it, Damo? Look, uh, I think Arsenal will go on to win the league purely because there's not a team behind them that's good enough to catch them. And it's, it's not the fact that Arsenal... Uh, aren't a good enough side. They're a very good team. They play some very good football. Um, there, there is a framework to beat Arsenal now and, and, to, and to shut them down, you know, formulated by Sean Dyche. So uh, that's something to watch out over for the next sort of couple of months. But I don't think City are good enough to catch them at the moment, the way they're playing. I don't think they've got everything together with uh, with everything that's going on there is going to be a massive interruption too. Um and I don't think the other teams behind them can really catch up. Manchester United dropped points when they were in, in chance of going, you know, less than two games behind, going level into second place. Newcastle, I just don't see it in them to be able to catch the leaders. And realistically, there's no one else that can, that can catch Arsenal. And, um, you know, that's not saying Arsenal aren't a good team. They've got a lot of points. I think, you know, almost the highest points by points total by this point of a season in history, nearly. I think only Liverpool's, um, league winning season that team had more points at this stage of the season so um, I don't think anyone's going to catch Arsenal in short well I think um, all eyes will be on Manchester City's double this week they've got Villa tomorrow morning um, and then they've got Arsenal so I mean Arsenal are hosting them later this week um, triple captain Haaland in FPL so uh, I think you know, I did if, I went for it if City win both of those, then uh, could you know they, they could catch them, and it could be a very interesting one. So we'll have to wait and see. So just before we do wrap up the pod today, we'll do uh, a quick update on our A League fantasy and uh, fantasy Premier League prize announcement for January. So after the madness of the the Christmas football fixtures, um, taking out first place for January uh, is friend of the pod Mark Bignall and his live in La Vida La Roca with a Big is his back. Two hundred and fifty-one points, um, wow. and if you know if you know Biggers uh, and his serious approach to FPL, you'll know that careful planning and execution went into this one. Congrats to Biggers. Uh, Lots get of spreadsheets with, there, Biggers. Get in touch with Tommy, and he'll uh, send you your prize. Um, the uh, more than a game panelists' uh, overall ratings. We'll give you an update on those um, for anyone who's interested. Uh, Damo, you're uh, you're leading the the pod panel still. You're in eleventh on thirteen fifty-nine points. Tommy, uh, hot on your hot on your tail at 19th. Uh, he's on 13.26. I'm uh, down in 40th on 12.54 with George rounding out the hosts in 60th place. But Tommy was saying in our group chat today that friend of the pod Shabab is on 881, 881st place ov- overall in the world at the moment. That's incredible. Absolutely in incredible. FPL. I, I was insane, excited so. to be 881st in in the A League competition out yeah. of 13 and a half thousand people, let alone out of eight and a half million people playing FPL in the world. So that's yeah, that's incredible. Absolutely and, incredible effort by Shabab. Yeah, shout, so Shabab, if you still Shabab. listen to the pod. Yeah, big big ups to you, mate. 
Um, A-League's Fantasy, uh, we've in our mini league, uh, which you can join on uh, code 508968. Um, Seb's the Black Flash. Uh, his team retained top spot um, with a total score of 1,524 points. Um, our panellists, I'm still narrowly uh, holding the lead overall. Um, I'm in 208th place. I think um, we did a bit of uh, a bit of back and forth over the last couple of weeks, and you forth. and I, Colby. I just pulled away from you, Damo. You're in second on 328, 328th spot. Tommy is hot on your tail in this league too. He's in 424th spot. Jesse in 854th place. Uh, and Shannon, don't know where he is. Couldn't find this out before the pod. Um, he's I don't think he's in our mini league. Um, Towards 10,000 plus. <laughs> I don't think he's checked his team since day one, seeing as he's got Josh Brillante as permanent captain. So yeah. uh, that is all um, of the A-League's fantasy update. So, yeah, join our mini league, 508968, if you want to get around us. Um but that's all for this week, um, and thanks for listening. Another huge pod. Because we're doing these pods monthly now, we've got a lot more to cover. So uh, thanks for sticking around for the hour and a half. Nice to nice to have you back uh, with the pod. Nice to be back um, here podding for you all. Um, get around us. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to Apple Podcasts or catch us on YouTube uh, for the video version of this pod, uh, which drops about a day before this pod comes out. Um, we'll be back probably next month with more Premier League and A-League, but until then, enjoy the football. See